southeastern Washington. So if you follow that glorious river all the way down, and by golly, it starts to turn a little bit north again. Hmm. And my folks live in Plymouth, just Plymouth. above the river. Really? South, uh, South Benton County. Y'all folks fishing people? My folks are not fishing people. <laughs> <laughs> my folks are about as blue collar as they come. Oh, my mom's my in God. her late 60s. And <laughs> really? she, she has a CDL still, so uh, oh. <laughs> she's a tough cookie. Oh, wow. <laughs> there you go. So, uh, Ron, um, whenever you're ready, let us know. Amanda, we don't generally just jump in. I usually take a little bit of time to get to know the people who I spend some time with. And I'm saddened that I didn't take a minute or two to get to know you a little bit better. But we're going to know each other on the fly. We're going to build this bike as we ride it. I like that, John. <laughs> you know, okay. We'll be agile. Good. Yes, I like that. You know, I'm a former therapist. I don't know if you know, know oh, that or not. Know that. No. And, I'm, and I know as a society, we gauge people usually in the beginning, and especially as employers and employees and colleges and all that, we look at IQ in people, right? You know, well, they got to be smart, right? And, but then we recognize that you get a bunch of smart cookies. Uh, there's always a lot of emotional problems that go under that box of emotional. I mean, a smart cookie. So we looked at EQ. And now today we look at something a little bit different, um, the ability to be able to adapt on the fly. Mm -hmm. That is one of the characteristics that I think that we're really excited about these days with people. And that is those people who can come into a space and adapt and adjust. And to me, when I hire people, I definitely look at their ability to do that. And so Amanda, we, we welcome you to our house and we, we definitely appreciate your ability to adapt to us. It's here. my pleasure, John. Yeah, I think yeah. it's something that every individual needs to have in today's society, especially our young people. Well, then let's go to work. You ready to go to work, I'm Amanda? ready, sir. All right, then. Let me know there, doctor. Okay, here we are. We're back again um, for another exciting episode of Black Beat, where we take an unapologetically black approach to the topics and issues of our community. I'm John Washington. I'm your editor-in-chief of Flawson Media and the host of this show. We continue our month-long series of environmental justice as part of our campaign we call Earth Needs Allies. This campaign is in collaboration with Flawson Media and the Seoul District Business Association and the Seoul District's annual fundraising event, the MLK Dream Run. Today we welcome Amanda Martinez from U.S. Bank to the show. Boy, she got a smile. Boy, some of y'all should be seeing her right about now. She's smiling. <laughs> boy, with a Boy, this this lady is definitely the epitome of somebody that goes. You go sit with her. You could probably go say yes. U.S. Bank is a longtime ally of the MLK Dream Run, and they are the title vault of opportunity sponsor for this year's event, coming to you on September 17th and 18th at PCC Cascade Campus, here in Northeast Portland. Amanda is a business banker, banking leader for U.S. banks, maintains a strong passion for small businesses within our community. For more than 20 years, she has been a banker, primarily serving the South, Southwest Washington and Portland area. A graduate of Washington Bankers Association Executive Development Program, she quickly learned that serving her community was the best way to elevate small businesses Ain't you something, girl? Welcome to the club. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome. Hey, John, <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Yeah. And here today we got um, some of my co-hosts with me. We got Samson and we have Alex here with us today, mm -hmm. and they will be chiming in a little bit as we go to sort of support where we're trying to get to. Thank so you I'm going to start. Thank you for having me, gentlemen. Yeah. You're welcome. welcome. You're welcome. 
And um, so, Amanda, I asked you a little bit earlier, and tell us a little bit about yourself. Tell us where you're from and what got you to here to where you are today. Here where I am today with you fine folks. Ah, gotcha. Yes, and we I'm, are fine folks. <laughs> I'm from a rural community in southeastern Washington mm. originally, um, but I've been on this side of the mountains now for over 20 years. Wow. Um, it's beautiful out here. I mm -hmm. enjoy it tremendously. And, you know, I've got a, a, a son who's 12, just wow. started sixth Congratulations. grade. My daughter's in third grade, and... I'm a simple person. I live on an acre with chickens, John. Uh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> what kind of chickens you got? The chickens not the one with the yellow stripes up their back, but the ones that go puk, puk. You know? <laughs> I got all sorts of chickens. You got all sorts there of are, chickens. Well, there's I a good variety of them. <laughs> <laughs> being you know, sustainable happens in all sorts of ways. Yes, ma'am. Yes, yeah. yes. So what motivates you to get to work? Yeah, every day. What's what's all this all about for you? There's this there's so many things outside from my family and certainly my community, but I'm extremely fortunate to live and work somewhere where we take such tremendous pride in the people that we serve, both the small businesses and then my terrific employees. I mean, I've I've got one of them here with me today, and he has a strong passion for what he does within our communities as well. But it's just an endless amount of encouragement and certainly prosperity that we see every day within our communities. So, are you? The vice president of the bank, or the VP of the bank. What, what I, I have a title you? like that. But, <laughs> you um, have a title like it's that. It's a little, you know, it's certainly a little bit more than that. I huh. am fortunate to lead a team of people, and you know, I work for an institution that also encourages me to give back to my community. So at any given time, I'm usually on about three boards. Wow. Um, right you sound now, like me. Yeah, exactly. Busy, John, I think busy you have a lot in common. <laughs> um, <laughs> yes. But right now, I am the VP of board development for the YWCA in Clark County that's really working to eliminate racism within our community and uplift women. And the bank really supports me through that and my passion as we help Southwest Washington and Oregon really become a better place for all. Yeah, Amanda, I saw that in your bio, a little bit more about your participation and work with the YWCA. How, how'd that come about? Talk to me a little bit about that. Where, where'd that passion, what's that all about? Sure. So I, you know, I grew up, as I mentioned, in Southeast Washington. My, my mother worked really hard and did the best she can with the skills that she had. Mm -hmm. And that led me down a path as I got a little bit older. And I found an, an organization that I'm still very involved in called Seroptimist. It's mm -hmm. a Latin word, best for women. And they work to really provide resources and really improve the lives of women and girls locally and globally. Wow, um, wow. I started with them, and it really kind of snowballed. And I was starting to think, how can I help other women in our communities? Because it's not just high school girls that need a leg up in education. Yeah. There's women coming in on domestic violence in their 40s and 50s that need to go back to school and kind of reskill and retrain because they've never had to work before. Wow, And now wow. they're given tremendous opportunity, and we're able to support them in all different facets. So how does this your involvement in the civic part of your life, the community part. Uh, how does that and banking uh, sort of come together? What intersection do they come together and what do you see? You know, it's, it's about a bank or an employer that really wants to do better within the communities that they serve. And yeah, that's yeah. Such, such a unique thing about U.S. Bank. Yeah. You know, they, they really take it seriously. They listen to employees and say, hey, my community needs this today. Can yeah. I participate in Y? Can we do more of X? Hmm. And they really feel the need to make sure that not only are they supporting their clients and their shareholders, but the, the employees that, they, that are intrinsically involved in everything that they do to really make sure that they're playing as much of a role in their community as possible. Wow. You know, and we do have a little bit of understanding of the history of U.S. Bank. I mean, I think that U.S. Bank was founded and established here in the district, weren't they? You the know, first, one of the first I was at an event on Tuesday night in our historic mm -hmm. uh, Oregon branch downtown that's been there since 1917. It's wow. a beautiful building. But yeah, it, yeah, actually, we had an event in that bank 
in, in the building there. I think one of our, uh, we had some kind of a, a major event at that bank down there that, that you guys da got downtown, but wasn't there something to do with the U.S. Bank in the Northeast uh, and, their f and their founder? They're, they're one of their original branches were here in the Northeast, and that's why U.S. Bank was such a philanthropic part of the Northeast? Uh, not not that I'm aware of. Um, I mean, I know U.S. Bank historically has, um, uh, I forgot what it was called, but, um, God, I can't remember the, uh, the name of it, but in regards to Northeast Portland, uh, I don't. I don't know what the correlation would be to but that. They were very philanthropic mm -hmm. here. I know that Absolutely. for for years. And uh, and when you consider the fact that you uh, claim and tout the fact that you have put out forty three billion in environmental beneficial business opportunities, you need to tell me a little bit more of that. You tell know, us what that what that entailed. <laughs> you know, that's you know, a big number, it lady. It's a big number. You know, you know yeah. And it's continuing and ongoing. Oh, really? You know, it's well, really we gotta good. figure out how to get a part of that notion <laughs> there, girl. <laughs> Approach. So much of uh -huh. it is around kind of education and mm -hmm. partnership and some of the climate change action that's occurring. Um, but we're really working continuously to re reduce the impact on our environment and really just decrease our use of, of the natural resources so that we can engage responsibly. But, I mean, think about it from our perspective. If we can help our clients reduce their carbon footprint yeah. by improving our mobile app, you know, saving them trips to the bank where they don't have to get in their car and head down to a physical branch, I mean, that helps reduce everyone's carbon footprint. Wow. Well, I never, I never even considered that as being uh, how the ally work would be with that kind of thing. I mean, so how is all that working itself out for you? I mean, how you guys actually seeing some significant improvements in, in terms of some of the endeavors you got ar around this environmental stuff? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. Our, our app has been rated number of the n one of the number one apps and most downloaded mm -hmm. so that people can really bank at where they're at. And so being able to deposit a check or transfer funds or do some even more intricate transactions without making a trip hmm. and getting in your vehicle hmm. and going to the bank. And then we've even improved it for our small business owners. We've got the ability for them to deposit checks directly from their office to save, mm -hmm. you know, their bookkeeper or, you know, their controller from driving to the bank. So we're really wow. trying to look at it at a holistic approach and how do we really provide the products and services mm -hmm. that are going to help with the biggest impact. So are you seeing any kind of significant growth in the business sector as a result of this? I mean, and what types of things are you seeing as a result it, of it? It definitely does reduce the footprint within our facilities. Hmm, and the so carbon footprint? Yeah. Well, it, it's hmm. people aren't coming in as often because they're doing so much of it electronically. Okay. We've been able okay. to really build up and have a more robust approach. Wow. So. Wow, that's going to open up a can, you know, that we, we got to go down this can, you know. I, I mean, because when you think about some of the difficulties bridging the communication gap between the BIPOC community and the traditional communities that we, that we all both participate in, and the fact that when you think about um, the earth, uh, um, carbon footprints, and you think about uh, hug a tree, any of these types of organic conversations. Uh, for me, you smiling, but for me, I always think white people, right? I mean, oh. it's not, it's not when I think that's what white people have. This is a white people's conversation, right? I mean, you hear it all the time in my house. I hear them, you know, my brothers, my sisters, what are you talking about this hug a tree stuff? You know, you're, that's those hippie people that are always talking about these types of things. How are you bridging that? How, how are with BIPOC community, how are you uh, sort of hedging your bed in that dialogue and that communication, and how is that being uh, rolled out, and how are you engaging it, and how are you getting people who historically 
was not even though historically we've always been a part of that kind of stuff farmers we've always been servers of some kind to the to the earth and all of that how are you rolling this thing out and getting people to buy in and are you reaching those demographics that are historically hard to reach with this kind of dialogue so much of it comes down to the education you know we, we start with our staff and really mm. trying to provide them with the benefits that it will have to our clientele you know and then it we really in, empower our staff to engage in our clients when they do come in and say you know can I, can I show you something new mm. you know can I can I show you this really cool thing even if you are stuck at home on your app or your device <coughs> and you don't think that I can help you if you call me I can actually come in and you can see me on your screen mm-hmm. and I can help point you in the right direction mm. so we're really mm. starting with an educational approach okay and, it, and it's it's for all John it's yeah for all. yeah but you know you'd be amazed Amanda how how it may be for all but not all receive it in the dialogue and the language in which we roll some of the, some of these comments we have histories of people re- in resistance you know <laughs> i mean when you think about the trauma and you think about mm-hmm. all of that i and you know it's one even my partner alex here we don't we try not to get enrolled so much in the negative dialogues mm-hmm. around these things and try to find positive pathways to communicate because we we all agree the earth needs allies we all agree that there ain't enough trees for us to keep breathing for another hundred years, you know, so we got to figure out some kind of way to make some adjustments, right? But that dialogue expands its way all the way out. I mean, because we, our previous, and one of our previous interviews was the same thing, was that the value of what the environmental services bring in terms of native plants and all that is a significant value. But how is that received in the black community historically that have had people come in, redline them, take away their houses, destroy their businesses and all that stuff, and disguise it with these conversations as a disguise? But yet for them, they're fearful. They don't know how to address this. We don't want to let you in our house. We don't want to let you look around our community because you think you might go and take something or whatever. So how do we begin to bridge these dialogues that for us, we all believe that we need more trees. We need more greenery. We may, and so I was just telling that. I was saying, guys, you know, historically, if you walk right through the Northeast, you could always sort of determine to some degree, not always, not 100%, but for me, I'm almost getting pretty good. We can determine what race of people live in the house that we're looking at, okay? And historically, a lot of the black community's houses is that for some odd with all the historical barriers and issues and all that, they, the improvements on the home is, have not been made. But the significance of adding greenery, native plants, and all that is a real significant reality because of drainage, it helps better air quality, all these types of things. So I think that it's really important that we continue this dialogue and try to bridge that gap <coughs> with those communities that historically have had a hard time receiving this information. So I really John, respect that you this, this, this community is so lucky to have you because mm. I, I can just tell that you're such a, a great advocate and a bridge to share some of those messages. Across. Oh, you're in banking. I can see that now. She's just too good, Alex. You know? <laughs> you know? I'm a mom. No, that's that's a, oh, God, all those beautiful things. I'm, I'm pretty sure a yeah. banker's probably like fifth on the list. Oh, you wear it well, job. girl. You wear it well. <laughs> you know. So, Alex, uh, jump in here, man. You. Uh, well, so, I mean, some of the things that I was thinking about is um, so, you know, w- w- within the bank, sometimes there's like specialized lending uh, programs, right? It might be. Um, I know U.S. Bank does something for doctors, right? If you're a doctor, dentist, or specialized lending programs, car dealerships, and things like that. Some of the trends that I've seen with these other banks that want to get involved on this environmental uh, justice piece, um, 
are starting to create specialized programs or specialized lending for small businesses that are um, particularly in that sector, right? So I don't know if, if you've got a manufacturer for um, solar panels or uh, a business that handles some uh, sales for, um, you know, energy cost efficiency or something like that. I see a lot of community banks, you know, uh, credit unions, those type of banks getting a little bit more involved on that. Do you see that something as something that's coming along for the bigger banks, bigger commercial banks? Uh, it doesn't have to be U.S. Bank in general, but sure. just some of the bigger commercial banks as well? Or? Well, it, it's definitely on the radar for a lot of folks. I mean, we've got some initiatives where we're starting to provide and investing in green in- initiatives for organizations and nonprofits that are working through that lens. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we've done about a million already Ooh. with this program, and, and two here in Oregon. A million businesses or a million uh, a, a dollars? A million dollars okay. in funding um, okay. across our footprint for mm-hmm. businesses who are involved in some of those, who are taking up that initiative for the green approach. Mm-hmm. And in Oregon, I just learned that we invested in Earth Advantage, okay. which delivers unique green construction workforce training for black and indigenous peoples right and you know, the full BIPOC community mm-hmm. um, at Rescue and previously incarcerated individuals as well to really help some of these some of these folks that are within our Portland metro environment mm-hmm. have some of those green initiative job training skills so that they can go take part in some of those wonderful organizations. Okay. Yeah, so I mean, because the reason I bring that up is uh, Fawn and I, what we're working right now is um, with uh, ODOT, they're going to be getting some uh, federal funding pretty soon for the um, car charging stations that they're going to be setting up okay. uh, all over right. Oregon. That's $100 million they, put, they passed. Mm-hmm. Um, so one of our focuses is starting to work with a lot of some of the small uh, uh, local businesses here, uh, primarily within our district, uh, uh, you know, in different areas, whether it's the construction piece of it, the, the workforce piece of it, and things like that. And we're, uh, in addition to them getting that funding, you know, they're going to need some bigger scaled banking. So we're kind of trying to position them to be able to be prepared for that. I mean, it's right at the beginning of everything. Mm-hmm. So maybe, you know, within the next uh, year or two is kind of where everything's going to be full-fledged. So we're trying to figure out how we can prep them for that. In addition to getting those grants, how can they be ready uh, how can to be, be bankable? Ready to be bankable? Yep. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I, I think the conversation starts today, Alex. Yep. Mm-hmm. I, I know that we have a, a, a group of bankers that would just love to meet with them and talk to them and talk about what it takes to get started mm-hmm. and build some of those basic building blocks so that in a year when they're able to, to get some of those contracts, yep. um, maybe we can connect them with the folks that are working to train the workforce on some of these green initiatives. But that's the conversation starts today. And I, yep. I think that, you know, I've got Tyler here with me today and I know he'd be happy to speak with any of them. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, uh, so that was uh, uh, one piece of it for me. And then um, the other part is, um, again, you know, at, when I was a banker, um, and, and, you know, the famous quote in, in the banking industry is that uh, I was an accidental banker, right? Like nobody <laughs> nobody grew up saying I wanted to, to be a banker. Um, w- one of the challenges that I kind of faced when I was in banking is, you know, by the time people came to me, um, there was a lot of things that they didn't kind of have already in place, especially like on the lending side. That's always like the number one thing that they need is, is money, 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 right? So what I'm starting to understand now that I work from a, a grassroots mm-hmm. perspective as opposed to kind of like uh, a bigger commercial banking side is um, the challenges faced with kind of trying to find them some of that money, right? Um, so I see a lot of initiatives in regards to like uh, mortgages and things like that. Are there any initiatives planned for anything like that on the, on the small business side in, in kind of trying to help people receive some funding or yeah we're really looking at it again as kind of a holistic long-term approach and so 
you know, whether it be from the grant process when mm -hmm. we're trying to either focus on a green initiative or bringing in more of the BIPOC community. Uh, but it all starts with a conversation. And, you know, as a reformed banker, and mm -hmm. I know myself as an accidental banker, I was going to be a social psychologist like our buddy John here. Yeah. Um, but I, I think I it did really behavioral is, modification. Well, <laughs> behavioral modification. Now I'm really in for it, John. Yeah. Um, a lot of it really starts with the conversation and, mm -hmm. you know, coming in and walking into a bank. You trained a lot of chickens, I know. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Go for it. Walking into um, any, uh, any local branch here within this community and saying, mm -hmm. you know, I've got a great idea. I want to start my own business. Can I sit down for 30 minutes and talk mm -hmm. to someone who can help me? And I guarantee you that there's not a bank on this street that wouldn't be willing to have that conversation. Yeah, and I and I and I'm going to concur with that, John, because you know I I ended up spending 13 years with U.S. Bank, and and part of that part of where I f found my value is they did allow me to do a lot of that grassroots work as well, a lot of that door to door um, street walking, being able to get out and talk to a lot of the small businesses and stuff like that. So um, I can you know definitely agree with you when you say that they're advocate for that. Right Absolutely. on, right yeah. on. You know, there's a, there's a quote that we now, and I think I'd like to read it. It says that Dr. King's referenced the vault of opportunity in his famous I Have a Dream speech as part of a point that African Americans lack the same access to wealth creation as others. Today, the racial wealth gap between black households and white households still remains significant. In 2019, the medium net worth of a typical white household was $188,200, was 7.8 times greater than that of the typical black household, which was $24,100. So in most households are brought with mortgage and most businesses rely on credit to fund their expansion. Is U.S. Bank concerned with this? And if so, how are they looking at, at funding small minority businesses and families? Yeah, so businesses and families are certainly not just a focus of today for us, mm -hmm. but those minorities are, the, those minority populations are, we're taking a very long-term approach with it. Uh, we're really redefining what it means to serve diverse customers, mm -hmm. and looking at that holistically is going to allow us to create opportunities not only to aid those clients, but to have more diverse employees yeah. that are within those communities. Um, right now, we've started a $3 million investment um, over, and we're planning over the course of the next three years to focus on black communities first, where the disparities are obviously the largest. Um, additionally, like I mentioned, we're going to have some black individuals go through that are within the mortgage industry. Mm -hmm. um, we're creating a mortgage loan officer development program that includes a full year of technical and community outreach training. Mm -hmm. So we're hoping not only to have some partners within housing agencies and community leaders, but also realtor trade organizations mm -hmm. to help bolster and educate those individuals who want to come into an exciting field. So you're putting your money to some degree where your mouth is in terms of educating people in those fields that you feel that are deficient in those other cultural participation. And so you're educating them and creating that next generation of is what I'm hearing you say. We, mm -hmm. we want to we want to have loan officers in our communities working with our local agencies that look like the communities that they serve. I think mm -hmm. <laughs> smart move, yeah. <laughs> you know, because I it, but then, of course, in this environment and climate, what's it like trying to find employees and people to come to work? I mean, it's uh, is it difficult or are you guys OK? You know, that's one thing that we hear every day from our business clients all throughout, you know, not only the Portland metro area, but certainly throughout the country is that, you know, people who have a job and are good at it, their employer does everything that they can to retain them. But I think we also recognize that there's a very talented pool of individuals within these communities who have never even 
thought or imagined that they could go and be a mortgage loan officer and wouldn't hey, even know where to start. Tell me about it. So yeah. how do we find those folks and get them into a training program where they can really make the biggest impact within their communities? So what's the hook? I mean, how are you going to get them? I mean, what's, what, what do you have in your hand that's got them <laughs> running to get that feed out your head like a chicken dude? You know, so you throw it out there, they come. But John, I mean, yeah. the, the biggest thing for me and, you know, why I joined U.S. Bank, I, I left a small community bank, you know, mm. six years ago and came to U.S. Bank. They have a commitment to our communities that is unmatched. I mean, the work that they allow me to do, not only to aid my the, st the wonderful staff that I have, mm -hmm. but the business clients, but also they really, really want us out in the field. In yeah. fact, the month of September, John, right. you were going to see more U.S. Bank shirts in, in the Portland metro area <laughs> than you could probably imagine because we go for a month-long mm. employee giving campaign Wow. where wow. you know I've got a bunch of folks signed up for the run coming up, yeah. uh, which I'm excited about. I'll be there with my kids as well, participating mm. and volunteering. Yeah, come on, girl. Um, and it's, it's going to be a great opportunity for us to just really find those pockets and spaces in our community where we can make the biggest impact. You know, I don't usually toot the horn and of major corporations and businesses. I really don't. Um, I think that sometimes money begets power and power begets money, so it's no big deal, right? But I gotta honestly say, you know, historically, out of a bank, and if it was one bank that I had to get behind and rep, you know, it would be U.S. Bank. And I, and believe you me, it's not because they support us or anything like that. I mean, but here, here, I appreciate that what y'all do, but, Thanks, but no, it's just the history. I mean, you know, the. I remember when you guys went on a down, uh, a downturn on community funding and engagement and those types of things, and it was recognized. It, it seemed that the, the space didn't get filled by others, and it was recognized that U.S. Bank wasn't in the field of play. And then after a while, it seemed like something changed about you guys, and you brought some real players back to the table, and they came into the community, and they wasn't coming in here joking. They were serious about what they came in here to do, mm -hmm. and they did accomplish that, that uh, relationship with the community that, that still to this day after they may not be around, that relationship with the community is still intact with U.S. Bank. And so I'm impressed with that work that you guys have done historically and over the years, and especially supporting the community as we go. So in, important that when that man comes from behind this thing, he needs something from you, trust me. <laughs> you know. So, But no, again, I appreciate that again, Amanda. And so... So talk to us a little bit about what the next generation of entrepreneurs look like to you guys and how you plan to support their next, their coming up. I mean, what are coming out or what are you going to be doing with the next generation of people? This, this next generation of entrepreneurs is going to be nothing that you and I have ever seen, John. Hmm. The hope is that they're way smarter than us, quite frankly. Yeah, the IQ. <laughs> <laughs> They've got the IQ, but it's, it's our responsibility as that older generation to make sure that we're giving them that EQ. Ew, yes. The emotional intelligence. <laughs> Get over there, boys. Sit down. It's <laughs> going to be huge. Yeah. But, you know, they expect more. You know, yeah. They expect more from every service provider that they touch. You know, They want us to be agile. They want us to quickly develop products and services that meet their need. And they want them to be intuitive. They want they want them to anticipate. You know, they're so used to living with those devices at the end of their their hands mm -hmm. that they want yeah. them to anticipate the needs yeah. that they, as small business owners or entrepreneurs or individuals, need. And I yeah. I think we're gearing up for that. Well, right on, Amanda, because I think that's kind of uh, really one of those important things. I mean, but you gonna still have to feed us old people with the money. I mean, because I <laughs> I tried to get up on these PCs and all this. You know, it's so it's so funny because. One minute you're looking at it online and you're going, well, gee, my banking stuff is all right. 
But you got to remember to have all that. Me, I'm driving to the bank. I like my teller. <laughs> you no, know? We approach it digitally and human combined. So <laughs> right on. One day you want to be digital, and the next day you need a human. <laughs> well, I need a human most of the time, Darren. <laughs> all okay. that digital stuff I'm running from, or not running to, trust me. Uh, <laughs> so, Amanda, we do appreciate you for coming on the show. We really did. I mean, but before we get out of here, hey, Samson, uh, you've been kind of quiet over there, buddy. You, <laughs> has anything sort of chimed your head? As to this banking part, because I, you know, and Amanda, I mean, I don't see too many flaws. Oh, well, let's just play the exercise. You, you, you want to do the exercise with Amanda? The three-question exercise? Oh, I was going to say, I went to the gym this morning, Sam, so behind me. Uh, I, was, I just wanted to expand on um, the next generation of entrepreneurs like myself. I'm pretty big on that, and I feel like my generation especially is uh, just with social media, just the uproar of entrepreneurship that's been happening in my generation specifically has been huge so i don't know i was just wondering more of like what has like do you have any like facts of what u.s bank has done specifically to help fund any new entrepreneurships in the community or anything of that sort see this is what you got to look forward to amanda i don't, <laughs> you know, I don't have any specific <laughs> facts around you know something so granular mm-hmm. um but we do have the u.s bank foundation which mm, supports yeah. throughout our entire community yeah. not only just here in the northwest but throughout our footprint and they look at it from a standpoint of work home and play you know where can we make the most impact in those three pillars and i know just from funding that i've been involved in and a part of some of that does go to organizations that are supporting on entrepreneurs today and, and really making sure that they have the training and the resources to be successful so that you know, they can grow their business and have a family and own a home mm-hmm. and really move through life in, in the best possible way. And I would like to piggyback off that, too, of, like, owning a home. Uh, I'm the young man of the group right here, so <laughs> that's, you, like... Hey, man, you got to stop telling that story, <laughs> man. I'll tell you, I'm younger <laughs> than you any day of the week. <laughs> so, uh, being a homeowner is a pretty big thing on my mind right now. And I know you guys are not Bank of America, but... Bank of America has just done this thing with a zero down on mortgage. Mm-hmm. And I was wondering just from your banking perspective, like how do you feel about that? Like would US Bank be interested in getting into something like that and making uh, making things easier for fr- first time home buyers in the African American community? Sure, no, and that's a great question. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that we have a lot of programs and a lot of them are targeted around education and making sure that you're in the right home to get the right fit. And to kind of tailor to your generation, you know, down to our, our mobile app actually has some different calculators and thoughts. Okay, if my, my rent right now is $700, what does mm-hmm. that translate into for a mortgage? And so you can really start to work and plan and come up with a good solution that fits you. But to the direct question about a zero-down home mortgage, I'm not, I'm not privy to that information, unfortunately. Yeah. It's a so it's a it's it's like a niche program that they came out yeah. with. It's like in Texas and in two other states, okay. and it's zero percent, zero down, no credit score requirements and things like sure. that. Although I mean, t- to me personally, that's something we'd have to read a little bit more into because I don't know if that's a a good or a positive thing, you know? Because th- we should have certain guidelines in there to make sure that we're not putting people in a situation where they're going to default, you know? Sure. Um, but that that is an interesting question. And the the cool thing about Samson Aston is, you know, he's getting ready to graduate here from PSU with a, with a background in business. And one thing I'm, I'm kind of starting to notice with, with the younger generation or the younger entrepreneurs, a lot of people are coming out with a mindset of not going to the workforce, but coming out to to being entrepreneurship because there's so there's so, yeah. there's so many opportunities out there now for people to be self-employed, you know, especially on, on the digital media website and stuff, so. 
No, and it's yeah. impressive to see. And your generation, and I'm so glad to hear congratulations mm-hmm. that you're going to graduate soon. That's exciting, Samson. But I meant when I said to John, I tell my children every day, your job is to be smarter than us. Mm. You guys are going to have a lot of problems to solve, and it doesn't just stop with, you know, the green initiative and the earth. I mean, you you have a tremendous opportunity ahead of you, and I'm I'm happy to hear that you've got the smarts within you to want to be an entrepreneur, and that's ex- really exciting to hear. Thank you. You know, I'm really excited about asking Amanda these three questions. Too. Too. <laughs> <laughs> I really am. Yeah. You know, because she's a mom, she's a wife, she's a chicken raiser, you know. <laughs> I'm all these great things. Ask me how I like my eggs. No, I already probably know that. But here, these three questions were is what we call bridge questions. Okay. okay? We find that when people come in to the studio and they're they're hanging out, they're usually hyped on the knowledge of which they have, and they want to shine the best they can shine. But we sort of I like the bridge, right? And this bridge has to do with the human quality of who we are. So I'm going to ask you a series of three questions. Okay. Well, this is going to be statements, and I want you to respond to those, okay? Speak to me about life, Amanda. Life is the greatest gift that we all get to spend on time on this earth together with those that we love and to attempt to make it a better place, and that's what we should all be doing with our lives. Hmm. Speak to me about death. Death is a moment in time where you get to a chance, hopefully, to reflect on what you've done and those that you love and the impact that you've made, not only on the generation immediately in front of you, but those that come behind you. Mm. Speak to me about love, Amanda. Love is the most magical thing that has been placed on this earth. Mm. Whether you love, you know, the sound of birds in the morning or your family or a partner. Or you a know, chicken. Or chicken. No. My 15th wedding anniversary is next week, so now I'm going to cry because I've been well. trying to think of how to honor my husband in a fun way. Mm. So love is, is one of the greatest gifts we can give someone. Wow. Breathe. <laughs> yeah. Now. You got your three. Got you. And I said. Do I get to ask a question? Not yet. Now you see why he was a therapist. <laughs> so we, got, we got one more. We got one more, and then you get to ask a question. After this time together today that we've had, after answering those three questions in your head, and if you can relate what you do to the community at large and the message you believe you're here trying to relate to the community, what is it that you really want them to hear in your message today? That's a great question, John. I think for me, the, the message that I hope everyone hears when they, when they get to listen to you this afternoon and our conversation is really around there's, there's so much work to be done, but if we all strive to do it together and we all go back to our employer and we ask for them to do a little bit of part of it and we do a little bit of part of it and we ask our family and friends to join in, we can make a tremendous impact in the communities that we all live in and it will benefit everyone. Oh, God, Amanda. And this is, I, you know, now y'all can tell I'm kinda, I get emotional with this kind of stuff right about here. You, you not only tap, we didn't tap, we tapped each other's hard on the real part of that. And I think the, the premise of this and, even, you know, because Alex, he, I remember uh, when we started the podcast series, and I was, he listened to a couple of our podcasts, and he said, he sends me a text, and he goes, hey, man, I think that I got an idea for the podcast that would really make this thing go kind of crazy. And I said, well, what's that? He says, well, we got to stop talking about negative shit, excuse me, and start talking about something positive, right? You know, and I was like, well, is money positive? No, it's like, no, but, but I think the, the truth about the foundation of us really having the need or understanding the value of us communicating with each other about these topics and these issues. 
You know, not always this green topic is a 30th floor topic in conversation. It is affecting our lives on all levels. And, in, and when I listen to what uh, all the politics that's out there around this, the bottom line is out of everything that I've read and researched was the bottom line, we need more trees to create more oxygen in the atmosphere because we have more people sucking up the damn oxygen than we have things that deliver it to our atmosphere. You make me feel like I should stop talking. No, No. No, girl, you got to do things you need to say, you know. Some of us need to keep talking, you know, a little bit. But the, the whole notion that we're so far apart in this conversation is, is ludicrous, is the fact that we all live and breathe the same ear, air, in that we live in the same communities. And the bottom line is a tree is equally as, invalu- as valuable to me as it is to you. Uh, farm to, to plate to table is equally as valuable to me as it's you. Nutrition with my kids is equally as valuable as anybody else's children. So I think these topics and issues are so centered on just the realization of us being able to survive collectively. And even if somebody else figured out how to survive without everybody else, then that's great, but they still gonna need some dirt and stuff. <laughs> you have to clear some of the chickens off that, off that farm you got. Mm-hmm. To plant a tree or something, right? So I'm, I'm really, I'm, as I do these interviews, the Earth Needs Allies, I become more drawn in to the topic and the conversation. But I also get what gets revealed was that I was never that far away from it mm-hmm. because I was always a fisherman. I was always a hunter. I live in Oregon for those two reasons, by the way. You would never believe it. I was a former filbert orchard uh, owner. I owned When I first came to Oregon, I owned 130 acres of filbert orchard. And, uh, they, and, and when I go home or go back east and I talk about filberts, they ask me, what is that nut? Well, oh, you mean that hazelnut? You know, it's a hazelnut. Only in Oregon they call them filberts, right? You know, because we know what we're talking yeah, about. Yeah, a little bit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, there's a variety of them. Some of the nuts are small. Some of them are big. You no, know? it's like just like chicken. Some of them are big. Some of them are small. So, so I'm, um, I'm really uh, feeling blessed that you came on, Amanda, and, and shared this opportunity and this time with us and our our listeners. And again, much respect to you. Much respect to U.S. Bank and the work. And I'm sure, you know, not everything is always so clean and tidy as we'd like it to be. But sometimes it's, you know, as a former football player, it's uh, five yards in a cloud of dust is just what that is. Five yards, but you're getting closer to that end zone. And the closer you get to that end zone, I think I was listening to Joel Osteen always talk about, well, yeah, I'm still on the potter's wheel. You know, we're, we're still on the potter's wheel uh, about a few things. And, and, and so with me as being someone, and those three questions, by the way, they were bridge questions, and it comes a little bit from my Buddhist background is that those questions are sometimes when people are um, emotionally up there or they're in their cerebral consciousness about the product they're selling or delivering or whatever, they get a little bit cerebral about it. But I like to sort of bring them back to a feeling aspect of this because I think on a bigger level, that most of us in the country or in the world are feeling level people to some degree. So we respond well to some kind of emotional connection to what we're doing. So, so again, if there's nothing more on the table with my uh, supportive cast here, before we check out with Amanda, is there anything left? Any dire questions, any statements, any anything that you need to make right now is the time to do it. I'll take yeah. one. I was just going to say, um, just to end it for my segment, um, 
is there three things you could three three words of it or not three words of advice but three steps of advice that you can give to a young entrepreneur like goals for them to hit or reach or look into or community outreaches whatever you feel is best yeah, if, you know just since you and I are having this dialogue today and I know you're graduating soon I would I would come up with a good plan and I'd make sure that you have the full faith and confidence in yourself which I can already tell that you do because you're a smart young man um, and then second I'd be prepared to to pivot and adjust mm. when you need to and pause and reflect often that is really important for small business owners to recognize is all right I need to pause I need to reflect on this and make sure that I'm doing that often enough along the way and then third gain support I mean the beautiful thing about human beings especially this next generation I tell my kids all the mm. time you're gonna live to be like 125 years old hopefully no one expects <laughs> you at 22 to know everything reach out for help it's not a sign of weakness or lack of confidence mm. it's a sign of strength and the more information you can gather and the more support you can get the more allies you have on your side I love it hey Thank you for coming on Black wait, Beat today. Wait, wait, wait. Well, I, uh, I get a question. Oh, okay, you get one. Man. I get one question. Get one. Yeah. Okay. You only get one. Nice. I, I only want yeah. one. Okay, go. Okay, do ready, it. John? Oh, go for it. John, if you had your choice, would you be a ninja or a pirate? You know, I think I've heard this somewhere. Would I, <laughs> would I be a ninja or a pilot? Or, or a pirate, you said? Hmm. Wow. I think I'd be a ninja. Because of the stealth movement, the coordinated effort to, to blend in with the fabric of this life, to, to go stealth and to be significant in that stealthness, um, to influence things from the backdrop, nece not necessarily from the foredrop. Good answer. Yeah. I can see your influence all over this community, John. It's incredible. Thank you. Much respect to you, sister. We appreciate you being on the My show. Pleasure. You hear? Oh, yeah. Hey, welcome to... See y'all later. <laughs> you know, Black Beat today with Amanda from the U.S. Bank, Earth Needs Allies, and Small Business Community. That is for today on Black Beat. Come check us out, and the show is available through Anchor, Spotify, and Apple Play, and more. Look, um, my heart always sort of sings at the end of these things, but Amanda seems to bring that out a little bit more. She's definitely gifted with what she come to the table to deliver. So for those of you who are listening to this, there are some opportunities out there with y'all with U.S. Bank. I suggest you guys reach out and touch somebody. You hear? I appreciate you. Thanks for coming on the show, sis. My Thanks, pleasure. man. Uh, yeah. Thank and, and my cast. <laughs> <laughs>